down. God's moving in Clifton. God's moving in Duncan. And God's moving in Hanahan, South Carolina. Those are the churches that we've sent out. How awesome is that? That one body can send out so many things. And I understand sometimes we can look around and we can be like, there's not that many people in our churches. But the reality is we're creating room to create disciples. See, when we go and we sin, we get another opportunity to replenish what God is doing. And sometimes it can look like it doesn't make any sense, but here's the reality. When God does something great, it makes no sense to human beings. Want to know why? Because if a human being could do it, God doesn't have his hand on it. Do you all feel me? If you can do something, it means that God will not receive the glory. Right? When you do something without God, you receive the glory. But when God wants to do something great that only He can do, He receives all the glory. You guys have probably watched the show, The Chosen, right? Anybody who's a Christian, that's like their theme song, right? The Chosen. You want to seem Christian? You're like, what's your favorite TV show? The Chosen. I'm really Christian. What kind of music do you listen to? Worship. Oh, cool. What's your favorite t-shirt? Whatever has a cross on it, right? Like you want to sound really Christian. Well, I got a favorite t-shirt. Hey, Taylor, show everybody my favorite t-shirt. So, um, I was hanging out teaching guys how to preach and I had an idea. I said, what if we made shirts with Bobby's face on it? And in that moment, we got to work. And we got these shirts with Bobby's face on it. Praise God, right? Am I right? So if you'd like to purchase a shirt, they're $25, and you can see my man Bobby right here. All the money is going to support Bobby going to L- That's a great way to support L.A. We can get backpacks, jackets. Bobby, you're going to be famous. Anyways. So God is on a miraculous move. He's moving in incredible ways. He's moving through Grayson. He's moving through Taylor. He's moving through you. He's moving through Buddy. He's moving through Corey. He's moving through every single thing that we do. I know you guys have been in a series going through Joshua. Last week you looked at Joshua chapter 6. This week we were going to look at Joshua chapter 7. And next week you're probably going to look at Joshua chapter 8. Today we're not going to look at Joshua chapter 7 though. I don't usually do this. But last week I did it. At downtown. I know you guys are like, oh, I was at downtown last week. You said the same thing. And so it it happened again this week. But Joshua chapter 7 is an awesome chapter, so I don't want to skip over it. Joshua chapter 7 is after Rahab, after they had destroyed the walls of Jericho. After who had destroyed the walls? God had destroyed the walls. They went through Jericho. God said, destroy everything. Except for what you consecrate to my temple. And in Joshua chapter 7, they get ready for a battle. And it says right before that, that they didn't consecrate everything. Some people took and hid it and didn't destroy the things that came from Jericho. And they hid it. And Joshua says, we're going to go and we're going to battle AI. And they go and they battle AI. They take 3,000 men and they wipe out 36 of the men in Israel retreats. And they come back because they had been defeated. And Joshua rips his clothes and he mourns and he lays before God and he says, why have we been defeated? God, how will you take care of your name? God, they're going to come after us now they've heard that we've been defeated. We see a couple of things right there, right off the bat. We see number one, Joshua didn't ask God before he went into war. And if you go into war without the blessing of God around you, you will be defeated. 
If you go into a day without the blessing of God around you, you will be defeated. Now, the blessing of God is always around you, but you have to ask God before you take a step because that blessing goes with you when you're prepared to walk in what God has called you to. So they went into battle without asking God. That's why they lost. They lost because they didn't ask God and because they were hiding things from God. There was a man named Achan, and Achan had taken possessions from Jericho, and he had hid them in his tent. Because Achan was more concerned about himself than he was the glory of God. Achan was more concerned about filling his tent than he was his brothers and sisters. So Achan is brought before God. They cast lots. Remember, they used to have to cast lots. It was dice, right? They would cast these dice, and whatever the lot fell on, that was their way of knowing what God was speaking to them. How awful would that be? Every decision, like, man, we're going to play some dice up in here right now, right? And throw, you throw these dice, and it tells you what you're supposed to do. You want to know why we don't have to cast lots now? Because we have the Holy Spirit, which lives inside of us. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus says, I have to go so that I can send to you an advocate and a an helper. I have to send to you someone greater than me, Jesus says. And so Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit so that it can live inside of us. But in Joshua, we see that they had to cast lots to know God's will. So they were casting lots, and it falls on this man named Achan. And Achan has these things in his tent. And Joshua goes to him, and he says, why did you do this? And Achan brings them all out, and they burn it all. But Achan, in his disobedience, was put to death. Why was Achan put to death for keeping these things? Well, because it's, a sim it's symbolic of the fact when we have things ahead of God, it is a mark for death. When we put something in front of God, that is a mark for death. If we put everything in front of Jesus, then we can't see Jesus. If we make our work more important than Jesus, we can't see Jesus. If we make our family more important than Jesus, we can't see Jesus. If we make our bank accounts more important than Jesus, we can't see Jesus. If we make our social media more important than Jesus, then we can't see Jesus. If we make our shoes more important, right, Bob? Look at those babies, right? If we make our shoes more important than Jesus, we can't see Jesus. If we make men or women more important than Jesus, we can't see Jesus because we're placing all these barriers. In Galatians, it says, Jesus is the Lord of your life. If, if you're not making Jesus the Lord of your life, you have everything in front of him. And so how can you follow his will if you can't see who to follow? Have you ever played follow the leader? Right, that leader, he's taking you. You're following him. You're staying right on it. You might be doing some snake stuff, right? Then you're going to do some figure eights, and you're keeping on that leader. Like, there's a leader. I'm going to follow that leader. But if you're a kid like Taylor, you're like, well, there's a bird. <laughs> and then you're like, check. Like, we literally, I'm not, this is a real story. Last week, we were in Chattanooga, and there's a duck. A duck. You know what ducks are? Not nice. It's a, it was a, never mind, it was a goose. Sorry. See, want to know why I'll tell you why Taylor knows it was a goose. And so there was a goose, and we're walking a path, and I look over. You know where Taylor is? Playing with a goose. <laughs> this is true. You can't make this up. Like, he's supposed to be following the leader, and then, oh, goose. You know who went with him to look at the goose? Titus. <laughs> want to know how old Titus is? Four. Because Titus got distracted from the leader, too. He was like, oh, there's a goose. And then here's Titus and the 31-year-old man going off to look at a goose. 
They got distracted from the leader because there was a goose. And I was like, Titus, stay away from that goose. It's going to peck you. And Taylor was like, no, I got this goose, right? And he's like hugging the goose, kissing the goose, hanging out with the goose. And so he's all into the goose now, and so he's distracted. So we have to yell and be like, hey, come back from the goose. Follow the leader, son. And Titus comes, and we get back eventually. Taylor brought the goose home. And so anyways, uh, it's easy to become distracted when there's something on your path, especially when your eyes aren't on the leader, right? And so Achan's eyes got distracted from the leader God. He got distracted by what he could have instead of who he had. See, because they lost the battle because God wasn't with them because they didn't go with him into the battle. They decided to do their own thing. They didn't want to follow the leader. They wanted to follow their own hearts. Hey, here's the reality. When you follow your own hearts, you know what happens? You get in trouble. You know what the world tells you to do? Follow your heart. It's like, hey, just follow your heart. You love them, go after them. Even Christians are up in there saying that, right? Like, follow your heart. It's going to take you where you need to go. Is that a song? Maybe. And so you're like, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Do what your heart says. Or so you're talking to someone. You're like, what, what, what should I do? they be like, what does your heart say? You don't want to know what our hearts say? Our hearts say sin. So when you're talking to a friend and they're like, you should just follow your heart. You got a bad friend, son. You need to get a new friend. If your friend's telling you to follow sin not a good friend. But in our lives, don't we sometimes just want friends who are going to tell us to follow our heart? Don't we sometimes talk to someone who's just like tells you the truth and you're like, man, I hate that person. I'm going to go talk to Kathy, right? Kathy going to tell me what I want to hear. Last time, show me follow my heart. I'm going to go talk to Kyle. Is anybody's name in here, Kyle? Okay, sweet. Oh, that's Matthew Kyle. Anyways, so you're like, I'm going to go talk to Kyle. Kyle's going to tell me how to follow my heart. See, but when we follow our hearts, it usually leads us into paths that are not following the leader. That's what happened to Achan. Achan wanted to follow his heart so that he could have possessions instead of having God. And you might be like, I would never do that. Hey, Achan had seen everything that God had done. Achan had seen the Jordan Sea split so that they could walk through it. Achan had seen how God passed the baton from Moses to Joshua, but Achan was so consumed with what he wanted that he couldn't see what God was trying to do. See, that's Joshua chapter 6. When we're so focused on our idols, we forget about the one who we should idolize. When we're so focused on our idols, we forget about the one who came and took us where we needed to go and brought us to the place that we're in right now. We forget about the path that he's brought us on because we're so distracted about the path we could have. You ever feel that? Man, God, I have this, but I would really love this. Or God, I want a life like X, Y, and Z. I want a life like that person. Maybe you're on social media and you're following like an influencer or something like that. I don't know what an influencer is. Caleb, what's an influencer? Someone who influences probably? Okay, so uh, influencer, someone who influences. So you like look at them and you're like, oh, this person's in, what's a cool place that people go? Myrtle Beach? No, I'm just kidding. And so, is that where influencers go is Myrtle Beach? Bobby, you know. Where do they go? What is it? Santa Monica? Somebody said Surfside Bay? Okay, so they go to these places. And you look at them, you're like, they're on a beach right now. I'm working at the Burger King. Right? Like, you got your hat on, you got your apron, you're having a good day. Then you see that they're in X, Y, and Z. And you're like, man, I want to go there. And then your mind's there. You see somebody in there in Hawaii. I don't know why, but I have the greatest desire in the world to go to Hawaii. And Sarah's like, have you ever looked at anything? Do you want to go for any reason? I'm like, no, I just feel like Hawaii is a good place to go. 
It was kind of like when I was in Cincinnati and God was like, hey, plant a church. And I just felt like Spartanburg, South Carolina was a good place to go. Now, God told me to go here. But I look at it and I'm like, I just want to go to Hawaii. See, so sometimes we can get distracted by the people that we see on our phones who probably have the same problem that we do, except they're in a different geographical location. And then our lives become, how can we be like that? Our lives become, I need to do this or I need to do that. And we get so caught up in what we want that we forget about who God is. That's what was happening with Achan right here. He wanted the desires of his heart. Remember, there's a psalm that says that God will give you the desires of your heart when what? When your heart is set upon him. See, Achan's heart was not set upon God. Achan's heart was set upon the things that he wanted. What is God's heart set on? Well, if we'll turn our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to see one of the greatest desires of God's heart. See, Achan wasn't living in the desire of God. Achan was living in the desire of who he wanted and what he wanted. So God had to, separate, God had to take his life. And you're like, man, that's awful. God took his life. Well, it's the same reason that God wiped out the people of Jericho. Why did God wipe out the people of Jericho? If he wouldn't have done that, they would have Continue to lead people astray. And God is not okay with people leading astray his children. He gave them opportunity after opportunity to repent. They chose not to repent. And God is never okay with people leading his people away from him. And so Achan had to be taken out of community because he was trying to lead others away from him. You know what's interesting? It wasn't just Achan who died. It was other people. Because other people had been influenced by Achan. And Achan was leading these people away from God. And when there's people leading away from God, we can't follow them. We can't be around them. You might have somebody in your life right now like that. Who you're like, man, I have a best friend, and they lead me further away from God. Guess what? you got to get rid of them. You might be able to come back and save them eventually, but you got to get oxygen before you can give somebody else oxygen. you got to heal yourself before you can heal somebody else. So don't be, feel guilty for being like, I have to get rid of this toxic person. Sometimes you got to get rid of the toxic person, or you're going to be toxic. So what is the desire of God's heart? What is that? So Ezekiel 37 shows us this. There was a prophet named Ezekiel. God called Ezekiel out. Ezekiel had to leave everything that he known to tell the Israelites how they were wrong. That's like a theme in the Bible, right? There's always a man telling Israel why they're wrong. You know what always happens to that man? The people of Israel kill him. And so there was a man named Ezekiel, and God had done great things through him. Ezekiel did crazy things. If you ever read the book of Ezekiel, you'll see all the things that God made him do that didn't seem right. They seemed like they didn't make any sense. You'll see that Ezekiel had to cook his food over feces. Ezekiel had to lay on his side. Ezekiel had to cut all his hair off. It didn't make any sense when we read it, but we see that God had a plan that we couldn't understand. Now you're like, what, why was he cooking over his feces? Well, you've got to read Ezekiel to find out. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to feed you a little bit, baby bird, but I'm not going to give you your entire meal. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me. Remember earlier when I talked about the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, then that hand is upon you. That hand is the Holy Spirit which he has sealed you with. So the hand of the Lord is upon you when you follow Jesus. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. This is interesting, right? Ezekiel doesn't know why he's there. The Spirit of the Lord led him into a place that he didn't understand why he was there. Do you all ever feel like you're in a place and you can't understand why you're there? Maybe right now. You're like, God, what is this life which I'm living? What is this place where I am at? 
What is going on around me? What is going on inside of me? Do you ever feel like I don't understand what's happening inside of me? See, God doesn't put you in a place to punish you. God puts you in a place to stretch you. God puts you in a place where you can have purpose. So Ezekiel was led to a valley. He didn't know why he was there. If you look at the New Testament, Paul was often led places that he couldn't understand. One time Paul had his heart set on going to Rome, but the Holy Spirit led him to Macedonia through a vision he had in the night. And it says that the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow him to go anywhere. And then he led him to Macedonia, and he led the Macedonian jailer to Jesus. Paul was just there to lead that person to the Lord. And then the church was started. And that church was the church of Philippi, which you guys just went through. God led him to this place, this one place that he didn't know why he was there. And there was a great purpose in why he was there. So sometimes we might feel like we're in a worthless valley. We might feel like we don't know what's happening. But God has a purpose. Just like Achan, God had a purpose with Achan. It was to show the Israelites the glory of the Lord and that he has to be our king. And the valley was full of bones? That'd be weird. The Spirit led me to a place with bones. Didn't make any sense. It might have been a little bit scary. Can you imagine being Ezekiel in a valley filled with bones? You're like, that's the Bible. That would never happen today. No, the Bible's real people, real history. And so the fact is, God could do something like this today. So think about Ezekiel. Ezekiel wasn't better than you. Ezekiel wasn't more godly than you. Ezekiel was in a place where he had human emotion. He didn't see clearly, and he was in a place that God had led him. And so think about that, because Ezekiel was in a place you might be right now where you're like, why am I here? It might feel a little bit scary where you're at, right? Have you guys ever had somebody sick in your life, and you're like, God, what are you doing? Just last week, I'm talking to a guy who goes to our Duncan church, and his brother passed away at 20 years old in a military training accident. His brother's name was Jackson, and Jackson got baptized right in this baptismal back here. We, we weren't long into being here, I don't think. Adam got baptized, Lexi got baptized, Jackson got baptized, Colin got baptized, and we were in this place, and now Jackson is gone. And so his family's trying to understand, a 20-year-old, why would he go away? Why, why would God take him so early? And the fact is, we don't understand. We don't fully comprehend it. And it's a place where there's not a whole lot of clarity on what's going on. But the reality is, even when they're in the valley of bones, God has a purpose. Even when we lose somebody, even when somebody's sick, God has a purpose we can't see clearly. And the only thing that we can do is trust that he's perfect. Y'all feel me? Because I know what our tendency to do is. Our tendency is to be like, to question God. God, why are you doing this? It's okay to ask him. And he might speak it to you. But the reality is we can't let that distract us from the place that we're in. We can't let it distract us from the place that we're in. Because God has a purpose in everything. God doesn't do things by mistake. See, we live in a world where there's sin. And that sin influences. But because God is something called omnipotent, which means all-powerful, he works those things for good, even the things that don't make any sense. He wraps his hand around that sin, and he guides so gently, and he directs, and he uses it for good. So even this death that I'm talking about, God is going to use it for good. It might not make any sense for three years. It might not make any sense for 10 years. But one of the things that's already happening is people that they didn't know are coming to them and saying, Jackson had such an influence on my life. 
And they're sitting over there like, Jackson was just a quiet kid. And they're thinking he had so much more life to live. But the reality is Jackson influenced people that they never even knew. And if, they, if Jackson wouldn't have passed, they would have never heard about the way that their son lived their life. So it might not make any sense, but God has purpose in it. He's in this valley. He's looking around. It's full of bones. And it said, he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were dry. Now think about that. He's in the valley, but he's just letting God lead him. Back and forth. Doesn't make any sense. Why are you leading me here? Why are you leading me here? Sometimes you might feel like that. God, I'm in this place. I don't understand it. And I'm just living my life. Just going back and forth. Going to bed, I'm getting up. Going to bed, getting up. Going to bed, getting up. Just living your life. And you feel like, God, what, what's the purpose of all this? What am I doing? What am I, what am I here for? What, why am I here? And the reality is sometimes when we're just going back and forth, God is waiting for us to ask a question. And sometimes when we're going back and forth, God is waiting for us to see the clarity of what we're there for. Because you can be going back and forth to work, and you can never see the person right in front of you. You can sit in a cubicle next to somebody every day and not know their story. You could go to the same gas station every single day to get a pack of Gushers and never talk to the person behind the cash register. You might be wondering why I chose Gushers, because I'm in love with Gushers. And you can never talk to that person and never know their story, never know where they're from, because you're so caught up in wondering why you're in the place that you are. See, because when we get caught up by the geography, we forget about the people around us. And when Satan tricks us into thinking that we have no value, we have no worth, and our emotions get in the way, then we just can't see what God's doing. We become so clouded by our desires and our selfishness that we forget about his. So he's just following back and forth, following the Spirit. He says that there's very dry bones. And God asked him, he said, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? So here's Ezekiel. He's like, God says, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. How good of an answer is that? The word sovereignty means God of everything, God, God that works all things together, God who understands everything at once, omniscience, the sovereign Lord, the one who loves us. Ezekiel is asked a question by God, and he says, God, sovereign Lord, you're the only one who can know. I don't understand the reason, I don't understand the purpose, but I know that you're God. I know that you are God. How hard is it that to say when you feel like everything's falling apart around you? I know that you are God. I know that you're in control. See, some of us with just a, a head knowledge of God, we can't say that to God because we truly don't know God. When we just have academic knowledge of who God is, that's not relational quality. That's not relational equity. So when he's missing from our heart, we can't understand that he's in control of everything. We can't give him the glory. And when we do, if we do have academic, only academic knowledge of God, when we say, oh, sovereign Lord, you're in control, we don't really mean it in here. Have you ever said something with your mouth but no, you're not going to do it? Right, be like, yeah, I'll pick you up from the airport at 5 a.m. No problem. Then you're thinking in your head, I'll get there around 8. There's a Cinnabon up in there. They'll be okay. You guys are acting like, oh, yeah, I've never done that. I'm always perfect. I'm always on time, all the time. I'm never on time. So if you ask me to pick you up at the airport at 5 a.m., you can expect like 10.30, right? 
But the reality is sometimes we say things with our mouth, but we know in our heart we won't do them. And that's what academic knowledge gets us. When we can say something, but we don't believe it in who we are, we don't believe it at the depths of our soul, then it really does nothing for us. It does nothing for us if we just know, but we don't believe. It says, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Okay. Now there's this man, he's in a valley of dry bones, and now God speaks something to him that sounds a little weird. Has God ever said something to you that sounds a little weird? You're like, God, I, I do not want to go stand by this stage cart. That happened in the book of Acts, right? With Philip. God leads him down a road, puts him by a, a, a cart, and says, listen to that man. Doesn't make any sense. But Philip is obedient and he listens. And it turns out the man is there as the Ethiopian eunuch and needs the Lord. So now Ezekiel says something to him doesn't make any sense because the reality is our wisdom is not God's wisdom. So sometimes God's going to ask us to do something that doesn't make any sense. It's not going to make any sense. It might not even make any sense to what we've believed all our lives. This is how we have to do these things. This is the way that we do these things. Hey, God is not in your order. God is a God of order in his order. God does not fit your box. Can you feel me on that? God's going to do things that don't make sense to you because God is the Lord of your life. Ezekiel, he says, prophesy over the dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord is going to come from Ezekiel's mouth. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. See, sometimes we can forget who God is. And we can look at this story and be like, that's great that God did that for Ezekiel. This is what God did for you. He took the dead bones and he wrapped you in his covering. He took the dead bones and he breathed his breath into our lungs. He took the dry bones and he raised us to life through his son Jesus. He gave us new life because we were dead in our transgressions. This is what God did to you when you were born even. He knitted you together in your mother's womb, preparing you for a great purpose. Where you're at right now not make, might not make any sense, but God knew you were going to be there. He knew you were going to be in this situation. And He didn't send you in without any preparation because where God leads, He always equips but sometimes it's so easy to question him and to wonder why. And sometimes it's so easy to forget that he's cared for you ever since you were born. That he put the skin on your bones. That when you came into a relationship with Jesus, he raised you from death to life. It says Ezekiel said, so I prophesied as I was commanded. Think about that. That verse just right there. God says, say these things. I know you don't know where you're at. I know you don't know what's happening, but I want you to do this. And then he gives him the words to say. God gave Ezekiel the words to say. 
Just like God has given us our wor- His Word. So sometimes we're in a place, it doesn't make any sense, but God has already given us everything that we need through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And Ezekiel says that he prophesied. He prophesied. He didn't question God. He didn't be like, God, this doesn't make any sense to me. He didn't say, God, I don't want to do this. God, I don't want to look like a fool in front of the bones. He didn't say, well, is is this how you would do it? He didn't say, well, let me pray about it. How many of us as Christians are like, oh, this is a great opportunity for the Lord. Let me pray about it. That's Christian for no. Because God has given us things in front of us that he's already told us are the things that we need to do. When God leads you to, when God puts somebody in front of you who doesn't have the gospel, don't pray about giving them the gospel. Give it to them. When God leads you to someone who needs to be grown in their faith, don't pray about doing it. Do it. When God gives you somebody broke down on the road, be careful about it, but you're probably supposed to help them. When God gives you somebody calling you who's broken, don't just say you'll pray for them. Walk with them. We oftentimes question God or say no to God because we don't believe that they're worthy of what God is calling us to. We don't believe that we're worthy to step into the call in which He has given us. So oftentimes we're so timid because we don't actually believe that God has not given us the spirit of timidity and fear, but He's given us the spirit of power. God's hand is upon you. Where you're at might not make sense, but God has a great purpose for you. And if you just question it and you just talk about it to death, then you're never going to be able to take possession of what he's placed in front of you. Ezekiel didn't understand, but he did what God had asked him to do. On the prayer subject, if you're praying with God daily, you're already prayed up. Y'all hear that? I'm not saying don't pray. But I'm saying if you're praying for God daily, when he brings an opportunity, it's an answer to your prayer. So don't get your cloth back out and be like, okay, God, you made it dry and all the ground wet. Now I want you to make it wet and all the ground dry. That's Gideon from Judges, chapter 7. Because when uh, Grayson told me to do Joshua chapter 7, my brain took me to Judges chapter 7. And then I was like, man, I get to preach on Gideon, praise God. So I was going to get it in there no matter what. And so anyways, uh, when, God, when we're praying every day, we're already prayed up. We don't got to pray over something we've already prayed about. God doesn't work within time constraints. God doesn't work within our realm. God doesn't work within our minds. God doesn't work within our logic. God doesn't do what we want him to do. God is all-powerful, and you are his servant. So when you're praying every day, God's already prayed you up. Don't pray about it again. He's already answered a prayer. That's just like smacking him in the face and being like, well, God, this isn't how I expected. Guess what? Praise God because it's going to be better than you expected because you're a finite human being who's a sinner in need of his grace and you're not perfect like the perfect king of God. And Ricky Wilson's not perfect either. So Ricky Wilson's got to remember that sometimes God brings me opportunities that I don't want to do. Sometimes God asks me to drive an hour and a half to a place to preach on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, God, why am I going to an hour and a half on a Sunday morning with a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old all the way to a place that's an hour and a half away to preach the Word of God? And then I remember, well, it doesn't matter because God's my boss and I'm not His. He's not my co-pilot. He's the pilot. 
If you got a bumper sticker that said, God, you're co-pilot, you need to repent. So I prophesied as I was commanded. I prophesied as I was commanded. God didn't gently ask. He commanded him. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Y'all feel me? It started happening when he was obedient. It started coming together. When he said, God, I'll do what you ask, it all started to make sense. They all started to rise up. They all started to come together, but there was no breath inside of them because Ezekiel was a man, and Ezekiel's words were not the words of God, so Ezekiel couldn't breathe the breath of life, but Ezekiel could be obedient to what God was calling him to, right? And so it started to make sense. They started to raise up, but there was no breath, right? Because we can do things that God asks us, but he's got to be with us. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. You've been obedient. I want to take you a step further. I want you to prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It's not Ezekiel's words. It's the words of the sovereign Lord. See, sometimes we get so caught up in the words of a pastor. Sometimes we get so caught up on the words of a TV pastor. Sometimes we get so caught up on someone we respect, we forget that they contradict what the word of God says. We get so caught up on their words and what they say that we forget about what the Bible says. Because even though I study the word, even though I'm going to do everything in my power to articulate the word to you in a way which honors the Holy Spirit, I'm still a human being who makes mistakes. So Ricky Wilson's word are not as powerful as the word of God. And so right here, he needs the words of the Lord to bring breath. He says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into the slain and they may live. Isn't it interesting to breathe into the slain? You got to understand, this was a valley where they would dump bodies. There was no graves. These were all bones that had been decomposed. Okay, sorry. Sometimes I get rolling. It's like, where's that word? And so, decomposed. That means that they had been there for a long time. That means there's no way that a man could take credit for this. That means it couldn't just be like, oh, he's only been dead for seven and a half days. The doctor would be like, well, there's this possibility and this possibility and blah, 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 blah. Maybe he just was sick, right? And so these bones had been decomposed. These bones had been there for a long time because if you know anything about bodies, it takes a while for something to decompose. Maybe you had biology class. I'm not sure. And it says the word slain. They had been killed. So I prophesize as he had commanded. He does it again. He's obedient. And breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. When he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Think about that for just a moment. We just looked at Joshua chapter 7. And how Achan had chosen to follow his own way instead of following God's way. Israel, we know, was God's chosen people who constantly rejected him, constantly went their own way. God constantly pulled them back in, constantly pulled them back in, never gave up on them, kept pulling back in. He says, this is Israel. Who says, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. 
Sometimes you might be in a place that you don't understand, but it's because there's someone who's hopeless and you got hope that lives inside of you. So if you got hope that lives, that looks inside of you, you got to look different than the hopeless. See, some of us just need to realize we have hope. That means we got to change. We can't stay the same. We have hope. That means we got to look different because if we look like the hopeless and what are the hope, what are the hopeless going to think? If you proclaim with your mouth that you have hope, but the way that you live your life reflects somebody who's hopeless, then you're not being a witness that shows the glory of Jesus. And that means that you might be in this valley and you might not understand it and you're going to be there longer because you haven't fulfilled the purpose in which God has given you to be the hope to the hopeless. Your life is not your own. You were not created for what you want. You were created with a purpose to glorify God. You were created to be hope to the hopeless. Some of you in here, you might be like, I am hopeless. How can I be hope to someone if I am hopeless? That's why you're here. So the word of God, so the people around you can show you what hope looks like. And you might be like, Ricky, I've already had someone share hope with me. I had hope. I got it when I was five years old at a VBS because I came up front and I got some candy and I got the gospel also. Praise God, right? But if you're still hopeless, it means that you never received hope. Jesus changes stuff. The word of God came to Ezekiel and changed him. Then it came to these dry bones and it changed them. The word of God has to change you. A Lord that died on a cross for you so that you can be set free from death, that changes you. You can't stay the same after you've encountered the one who created all things. You can't keep your old life and proclaim a new life. It doesn't work like that. If you encounter the purpose of life, it changes everything. And my God is the purpose of life. Israel said they had no hope. We are cut off. What does God say? Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Israel was wandering. Israel was trying to figure out how they get out of captivity. Israel was lost. Israel had no hope, even though the reason they had no hope is because they chose to be hopeless. God had set before them the path. God had told them to keep his commands. God had told them to seek him alone. And they continually went away from God and followed their own hearts. But every time they followed their own hearts, every time they were separating themselves from God, God went after them. And so Ezekiel right here, even though they were hopeless, God says, I want to give them hope. I'm going to bring them back. Hey, here's the reality. This isn't just for Israel. This is for everybody in this room right here, right now. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how 
you've wandered from God. I don't know what your life looks like, but here's the reality. God loves you enough to bring you to this place so that he can speak his word into you, so that you might feel dead, he can bring you to life. So you might feel like there's no purpose, he can show you the purpose. Or maybe you're here today and you already have purpose, but you just need someone to walk with you because you're like, I know that he is my life, but I need someone to remind me of life when I feel like I want to go back to the grave. You ever been there? I just want to go back to what it was because it's easier. I just want to go back to what it was because then I don't have to deal with all this. I want to go back to what it was because when I go back to what it was, then I'm not confronted with change. And it's easier to just do what you want to do. It's easier to just be in that. It's easier, but it's not better. Because when you continue to live in your own desires as the own Lord of your life, all you're doing is destroying yourself. Think about it. Think about anything that you use to make your life feel better for a moment. That moment passes and you're right back where you were. You might get a new apartment and you might, this apartment made me feel good for three days, but now I'm back to where I was. You might get a new car and you'd be like, I have this new car and you keep it clean, right? And you're vacuuming it out. You're making sure no kids get in it. You're doing all these things. And then three months go by and the car doesn't fulfill you anymore. You're like, they came out with a new one. I got a 2022, but they came out with 2023. And in your heart, you start to feel, I just need that feeling again that it was like to have a new car. Or I just need that feeling of what it is to swipe that credit card and get something new that makes me feel new. See, sometimes we only shop because we try to make ourselves look new when we feel like we're dying on the inside. Sometimes a pair of shoes, sometimes a shirt. Sometimes a new bathing suit for summer season, right? Summer season's on there. Jonathan, I know that you've been preparing for that, right? You're looking good. So you're like, this will make me feel better about myself when summer comes around. And then the new wears off. Or I'll get a new pair of sunglasses. That'll make me feel better for a minute. I'll get a new TV. I'll get a new video game. Is that how you say it? And so I'll get a new video game. That's how I say it on King of the Hill, I think. And so anyways, I'll get a new video game. That'll make me feel better. I'll get a new phone, right? There's probably the iPhone like 24 out by now. I'm not sure what we're on. But it's like I got a 21, but I need that 24. That'll make me feel better for just a little bit. Or drinking will make me feel better for an hour. Or hanging out with people will make me feel better for a couple of hours. But then you're going to go back to death. You might feel life for a minute because you're on the verge of it. Because sometimes being around the people reminds you that you were created to live in community but if your community is against you it's not real community and it might give you the taste of it and you might be like I need more of these people because these people make me feel like I'm not alone but they lead me down bad paths hey those aren't the people for you then the kingdom of God are the people for you the ones who want to speak the life into your bones right those are the people you need to be around that false community will make you feel good for a minute because you were created to live in community but it'll just leave you empty Alcohol will leave you empty. Hey, do I think alcohol is a sin? No, you can drink in moderation. But the question is, why do you drink? Do you drink to diminish your emotion? Do you drink to forget? Do you drink so you can have a good time? Because you're like, well, by myself I'm not much, but when I drink I become another person. 
You know what that is? Probably demon possession, so check it. Or maybe if I smoke, it'll make me feel better. It'll take my anxiety down. Hey, you want to know why you got anxiety? Because you got a lot of unprocessed fear. The smoking will take it away for a minute, but then you're going to have to smoke again. It's like the woman at the well, right? She's like, I don't want to come back here and get water. Give me something that, give me that living water that you're talking about so I don't got to come back here, so I don't got to come confront the people who hate me, so I don't got to confront my sin, so that I don't got to be gossiped about. I want that living water. Hey, today you can have the living water. You might feel like you're in a valley of dry bones. You might feel like you don't know what you're doing. You might feel like and not understand anything around you. Hey, God brought you here for a purpose. Just like the valley of dry bones, he brought you to this place, to this community, so that you could receive life. Maybe you already have life. Maybe you're on life support. God brought you here so a people could surround you. So a people could challenge you. So a people could love you. Maybe God brought you here so that you could receive fresh wind, fresh breath in your lungs today. Maybe you're just doing great. Praise God that you are here to worship the King who allowed you to do great. But from 10 years of ministry experience, the thing that I've realized is nobody's really ever doing great. We might look like we're doing great. We might be like, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Or if I was any better, there'd be two of me, right? But the reality is, we all got something we're struggling with, and sometimes we just need the people of God to come around us and speak truth into us. So you can fall into any of those things today. Or maybe you just need some clarity from God. Maybe your situation just doesn't make any sense. And you need the word or you need someone to come around you and speak. You're in the right place today. Hey, Jesus died. You were a sinner separated from him because of our own choosing. And God sent his greatest possession, his son Jesus, to come and to live a perfect life and to be put upon a cross. So that all of your sin, everything that we're struggling with, everything that we feel guilty about today. Does anybody feel guilty in here today? Right? You got some guilt. You got some shame that's weighing you down. Do you know Jesus died for that? Maybe you got something in your past that you can't let go of. You know Jesus died for that? You are not the names you have been called. You are not the things you have done wrong. You are a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ. He put the bones on your flesh. He breathed life into you. He spoke you from death into life. He sent his son Jesus so that could happen. He lived a perfect life and he died for all that guilt. He died for all that shame. He died for all that sin. He died for all that disobedience. And now all we have to do is accept that, believe that, and have a relationship with him. That means to know him more than just up here, but to know him with everything that you are, to seek him daily. And guess what? He died for that, but he didn't stay dead, right? Because three days later, he rolled around the stone, and he came out living because our God is alive. We don't worship a dead God. Hey, we don't worship Buddha. You know what Buddha is? Buddha's dead, but Jesus is alive. Do y'all feel that? Do y'all feel that? We don't worship Muhammad. Want to know what happened to Muhammad? He died. Want to know what happened to Richard Smith? He died. Want to know what happened to Santa Claus? He died. But Jesus rose from the grave to give life, to show us that he is our life. And when he was coming out of that grave, he was saying, dry bones, get up. 
He was saying, rise up. He was saying, let me give you breath. He was saying, the weak, the weary, the ones on life support, my yoke is light. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will give you everything that you ever needed. I will be your nourishment. I will be your hydration. I will be the one who makes everything make sense. I will be the one who comes around you and hugs you and embraces you when life doesn't make sense. I will be the one who walks with you. But you got to understand, to do that, you got to be willing to give up what you wanted for what he wanted. Remember, he wants to give you the desires of your heart, but what's your heart got to be set upon him? You want the desires of your heart while the, when they're set upon God, the desires of your heart change. God might just make you a really loving person. Praise God. God's calling dry bones to raise up. If you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you were encouraged by the message. At ID Clifton, we exist to love God, love others, and make disciples. To learn more about ID Clifton, including our gathering times, small groups, and events, please visit us at idclifton.com. We'll see you next time.